Open your Bibles to John chapter 7 and look around verse 37. I'll ask you a question and then uh, offer you a challenge. The question is, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? For the right thing. And if you're not, then would you pray and say, Lord, make me thirsty. Make me thirsty. If you're not thirsty, you pray that he would make you thirsty. Holy Spirit, now come and do your work in every heart. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the Word of God is filled with promise after promise after promise. We know them, so many of them, by heart. And we're standing on those promises and we're claiming those promises And thank God for the promise of forgiveness, for the promise of His mercy, for the promise of His grace, for the promise that the blood of Christ is absolutely sufficient for our salvation and sanctification. And man, we stand on the promises. We claim them. But there's a great promise that we don't hear enough about and that we need to claim and just rest in. And, And Jesus called it, The promise of the Father. You've got your Bibles open to John uh, 7. But I want you to listen to Luke chapter 24, verse 49. Now, he's talking about a promise. Behold, I send the promise of my Father. Okay, he said, I'm sending the promise. I send the promise of my Father upon you. But tarry in the city of Jerusalem till you are endued. With power from on high. The promise of the Father is that He will endue you with power from on high. Then you know it says it again about this promise in the first chapter of Acts. I want you to listen. They were gathered, you know, this is before Jesus had departed from them. And being, this is Acts 1 4, and being assembled together with them. He commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem, now listen, but to wait for the promise of the Father, which he said, you have heard from me, John truly baptized with water, but ye shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. In other words, he said, wait here in Jerusalem until you receive the promise of of the Father. You say, Brother Fred, when did Jesus send the promise of the Father that we would be endued with power from on high? Acts chapter 2. Listen to what it says. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. There appeared to them divided tongues as of fire and set upon each one of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Father. The promise, power, endued with power. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke with other tongues as the, Lord, as the Spirit gave them utterance. Now, then we get over to our text today in John chapter 7. And these, this is an invitation 
from Jesus. It's all to do about the promise of the Father, that we be filled with the Holy Spirit, that we be endued with power from on high. And look at verse 37 of John 7. On the last day, the great day of the feast, the Feast of Tabernacles, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out saying, if anyone thirst, if anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. This spake he concerning the spirit that those who believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given, because Jesus was not yet glory, glorified. If any man thirst for this endowment with power, if any man thirst to know my presence in a powerful way, he said, you just come to me and drink. You know, the setting of this is absolutely awesome. Feast of Tabernacles. Every day, the priest would take the golden pitchers and go down to the pool of Siloam and fill them with water. And then they would come marching back from the pool of Siloam, and there would be singing and dancing, and they'd be blowing the trumpets. And they would come into the temple, and on day one, they would pour water on the left side of the altar. And they did that the second day and the third day. And the fourth day, and the fifth day, they'd go to the pool of Siloam, fill the golden pitchers with water, come back before singing and trumpet blowing and rejoicing, and pour the water on the left side of the altar. But on the seventh day, they would come, and they would march around the altar seven times. Now, I did not hear this. I, I was talking to someone about this last night. So if it's not correct, you correct me. But it, it, it sounds real good anyway. I'm just telling you. He said to me that on the seventh day, they would march around the altar seven times. But they would not pour the water out because they knew of the promise of the Father that one day the Messiah would come and they would be filled with the Holy Spirit. And that had not <clears throat> yet happened. It not had, had not yet happened. So they did not pour the water out. Now listen carefully. It was at this very moment, the last day of the feast, they had marched around the altar seven times. And at that moment, Jesus cried with a loud voice, If anyone is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. He, Jesus said, I am the fulfillment of the promise of the Father. Come to me and drink. And he said, if you believe in me, out of your innermost being will flow a river of living water. This spake he of the Spirit that they which on him should believe, that they which believed on him uh, would receive. Hey, listen, what, what a dramatic moment. I wonder how many of them picked up on it. Jesus was saying, you don't have to just have ceremonies and you don't have to have just rituals. Said, I, I mean, the living word is here. Christ is here. And, and I'm going to pour out my spirit. 
and said, if you're thirsty, all you got to do is come to me and drink, and a river of living water will flow out of you. You know, if there's ever been a need in my life, and ever been a need in your life, it is for us to come to Jesus in a new and living way, and to drink, to drink from our Savior, and receive a new fullness, and a new anointing, and a new power of the Holy Spirit. You shall be endued with power from on high. And, and, and the, Jesus said, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink, and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Listen, you know why the church is failing? You know why we're not changing the moral conditions of this nation? Why we're not having an impact and we see our grandchildren still lost and our children still away from God. And, and we don't see the power of God like we see where God's transforming lives. Let me tell you something. Nothing can happen in the power of the flesh. There must be a river of living water flowing out of us, which is the Holy Spirit of God. And we just need to get thirsty. Thirsty for the presence of the living Christ. In the person of the Holy Spirit. I told you on Wednesday night I was going to share with you about uh, what, what, what God is doing in Iran. I had no idea. We hear all about it, you know. And I was having lunch with Sammy Tippett. Sammy's 66 years old. I've known him, known his name for years and been with him a few times. He was a disciple of Manly Beasley and, and, and Jack Taylor and all those people. He, he, he was preaching in Louisiana and had a great move of God. And they just moved from building to building to building to accommodate the crowds. It went on for weeks. And after that, Sammy walked across America on foot, giving out Bibles. I said, did you walk all? He said, all the way. <clears throat> and now he's, he's got a ministry all over the world. Uh, he told me about going to Brazil this year and everywhere he was going. But then he said this, and it startled me. I said, in my unbelief, I said, this can't be. He said, but I'm telling you, there's a great movement of God in Iran. I said, really? I said, would you tell me about it? He said, I'm telling you, God is moving. And he told me this story. God worked it out for him to meet with 40 of the leaders of the Christian movement in Iran. 40. They did not meet. They somehow got together outside. And it was, of course, a secret meeting. But he got to meet with all 40 of the leaders, or 40 of the leaders. And before they got, he was going to disciple them and share the word of God with them. He went around the room and said, I want every one of me, you to tell me how you came to Christ and how you were born again by the Spirit of God and how you're willing to lay your life down for following Jesus and then he told me an amazing story. He said every one of them had the same testimony. Every one of them. You know what it was? They were going through a crisis in their life. A difficult time. And they cried out to Mohammed. And nothing happened. But then Jesus Christ appeared to every one of them in a dream. Every one of them, Jesus came to them in a dream. They didn't know how to interpret it. They didn't know how to respond. But God had placed a man who explained to them what had happened, 
And he led every one of them to Jesus. Now, Scott McCracken, who is out of our, our, our ministry, Bill and Monty here, he told in his book about a lady who comes walking into the refugee camp and seeking. He said, why, why have you come? He said, God told me to come here because Jesus appeared to me in a dream. And he told me you could tell me all about him. Let me just tell you something. Let's don't live in a state of unbelief. Let's believe that God is alive and he's on the throne and almighty God can do anything he wants to do in this day. When, amen. For that encouraged me. It just encouraged me to know that if we pray that spirit of God is still hovering over this world. God, thank God he has not withdrawn the Holy Spirit. The time will come when he's withdrawn and it'll be hell on earth. But he's not done that. And so now we need to say, oh God, would you give me a fresh endowment with power from on high? I don't want to live in the power of the flesh. I don't want to serve you in human energy. I want to know what it is to be filled with your spirit and to see things happen that can only be explained as God. In many churches today, everything that happens can be explained by human means. There's no exp See, we need to be a part of a body, and we need to be a part of a movement that people say, well, how did that happen, and how did that happen? And you say, well, the only way we can explain it is it's God. And then God gets all the glory. So Jesus said, wait for the promise of the Father. Wait for the promise of the Father. Talking about the Holy Spirit, and said, you will be endued with power from on high. Now, where's the spiritual power in your life and in mine? I can ask you this question. Are you satisfied? No, I know you're not. I mean, listen, there's so much more that God wants to do in us. And so much more that God wants to do through us. And God literally wants to come and shake this nation. But he's got to do it through his people. And so the truth is, I'm not satisfied with the spiritual power that I have. I'm not insatisfied with the presence of Jesus that I enjoy because I know there's so much more that God has for us. And the same thing is true to you. Don't be satisfied. Jesus said, are you thirsty? Are you thirsty? And so I would ask the question, we ought to be. I'd, I'd make the statement, we ought to be because there's such spiritual dryness in, 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 in religious circles and such spiritual dryness in this land that we need to say, oh, God, make us thirsty. Boy, the verse that scares me and causes me to tremble before God is, in, is that verse in 2 Timothy 4 where it says, in the last days, now get this, they will have a form of godliness but will deny the power thereof. In other words, they'll have all kind of a form, and there'll be a form of godliness, but there'll be no power. No power. How in the world can we ever push back the powers of darkness and overcome the enemy without the power of God? A form of godliness, but denying the power thereof. I love that verse in 2 Corinthians, no, it's 1 Corinthians 2. Paul said it, talking to the Corinthians, when I came to you, I was determined to know nothing but Jesus and him crucified. He said, I came to you with weakness 
And this is what Paul said. I came to you in weakness and fear and trembling because he knew what, how important what he was doing. He said, but listen to what he said. And my message to you was not with enticing words of man's wisdom. Paul said, I didn't come to Corinth to persuade, show you how smart I was and how intellectual I was. He said, my message was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but it was in the demonstration of the Spirit's power with godly sincerity and plainness of speech. And get this, he said, I came in God's power so that your faith would not stand in the wisdom of men, but your faith would stand in the power of God. Let me tell you something. If your faith stands in the wisdom of men, it ain't going to stand when the storm comes. But if it's in the power of God, God does a work in your heart by the Holy Spirit. And Jesus Christ becomes the sovereign Lord of your life. You will not be moving, not be enticed with words of human wisdom, but the demonstration of the Spirit. You know, the, the real thing is, we need to ask God to make us thirsty. You know, complacency it kind of sneaks up on you. Apathy, you know, everything's going well. I mean, you know, you got food on the table and roof over your head, and you paid all your bills this month, you know, and so it's so easy to get complacent. It's so easy to be apathetic. But then, then, then we open our eyes and look uh, in our own families and see what's going on. And we, we look in the world around us and see what's going on. And, and, and something ought to quicken us and say, listen, there's no hope unless Almighty God intervenes in my children. There's no hope unless God intervenes in my marriage. There's no hope unless God intervenes in this nation. And, and, it, and, and so we need to realize that we need to ask God to make us thirsty Make us thirsty, Lord. Make us thirsty for your presence and for your power. You know, we've gotten so uh, slick. We know how to draw crowds. We know how to bring people, you know, and you, you, you use the right kind of music and use this and that and all these things. And, and you can draw a crowd, but I want to tell you something. Unless that crowd is transformed by the power of Jesus Christ, you're wasting your time and you're wasting God's time. Where is the power of God? In my life and in your life, where we see God doing that which only can be explained as God. And the thing that came to my heart was, oh God, make me thirsty. Lord, make me thirsty. Not for anything other than the presence of Jesus. And make me thirsty to see your power move in the lives of men and women. To see them radically saved. Radically transformed. Radically uh, filled with the Spirit of God. Listen. I mean, we, we, we've got to God, ask God to make us thirsty for His power so lives will be changed. I, I'm so blessed by... Mike tells me about his cousin. Mike Harrison tells me about his cousin. And Mike used to send CDs to, uh, from our church to his, to his mother, Mike's aunt. And the son, who was about 18 or 19, got a hold of him. And he started listening to him. I've told you a little bit of this story before. And one day in, in, his, in his bedroom, he had listened and listened. And, and, and God met him there in that bedroom. And he got born again by the Spirit of God. And so he says, well, Jesus, you said I need to be baptized. 
So he gets up, goes down to a church down the street, walks in and says, this pastor said, you need to baptize me. He said, why? I said, I just got saved and God told me to be baptized. And so the pastor baptized him. Then Mike came up to me today and see, there's only an explanation for, I think his name's Daniel. It's God. Mike saw him and he used to have long hair. There's nothing wrong with long hair. I'm not on no crusade against short hair, long hair. I'm just glad you got some hair. But it's... <laughs> But he had cut his own hair. He had cut his own hair. And it was still, you know, decently long. He'd cut his own hair. And Mike said, well, why did you do that? He said, listen, I did not want my hair to be a stumbling block when I told people about Jesus Christ. Nobody told him that. He just got full of God when he got born again by the Spirit of God. And you know, when, you, when you're filled with God's Spirit, you don't have to be told what to do. The Spirit of God will lead you as to what to do. Jesus said, or if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, thirsty, if you're not satisfied with religion, if you're not satisfied with where you are spiritually, if you're not satisfied with you see what God's doing in people that you love and your heart's broken up, he said, if you're not satisfied and you want the promise of the Father to be endued with power, come to me and drink. You know, the beautiful thing is that when we are saved, this is how it works. The Holy Spirit convicts us of our sin. You can't be saved till you know you're lost. So he convicts us of our sin. And it's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. It's not human persuasion. It is God. And the Holy Spirit draws us to Christ. And the Holy Spirit removes the blindness from over our eyes. And we're confronted with Jesus Christ and who he is and what he did for us. And then we have a choice. We can say yes or no. You say, Brother Fred, does God know who's going to say yes? Yes. He's omniscient, but he wants you to say yes. Or you, you can say no. Does God know you're going to say no? Yes, because he's omniscient. But he doesn't want you to. God is willing that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. He would have all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. For God so loved the world, 1 John 2, and he's a propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but for the sins of the whole world. You're under the conviction, you come and you repent. Jesus Christ comes to live in your heart and you're changed by the power of God. And this whole idea that I met Jesus, but I wasn't changed, I can't believe that. I'm telling you, you don't meet the master of the universe and keep being the same person you were before you met him. Amen. You can't do it. The master of the universe, Jesus, he changes you. And then you just, you're born of the Spirit. This miracle of the new birth. You receive the gift of the Spirit. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. You're born of the Spirit. You receive the gift of the Spirit. And then you're indwelled by the Spirit. What do you know? That your, don't you know that your body is the temple? That's the promise of the Father. Don't you know that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? The promise of the Father has become a reality to you. Your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who is within you. You're not your own. You're bought with a price. So we're born of the Spirit. and We receive the gift of the Spirit. And we're indwelled by the Spirit. But oh, listen. Now I want you to listen at this verse. And it's not a one-time thing. 1 Corinthians 
12, 13, listen to it. For by one Spirit, Holy Spirit, we've all been baptized into one body. It doesn't stop there. For by one Spirit, we've all been baptized into one body. And we've all been made to drink, to drink of one Holy Spirit. You know, when you get saved, you drink of the Holy Spirit and you never stop drinking. You never stop drinking. And that's why Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. Oh, God, make us thirsty. I mean, Lord, don't let me, don't let me finish my days without a burning thirst in my heart. For the power of Almighty God. Oh God, make us thirsty. The mentor that God used in my life was Dr. Stephen Olford. Oh, I wish I could hear him preach again. i got to get one of his tapes. His dad was a missionary to West Africa. And he was preaching on this text. Out of, and he, he, he had that English accent, you know. He said, out of your innermost being shall row rivers of living water. I can hear him say it now. I listened to his tape so much, I used to preach that way. Rivers of living. I said, that, that's not good from a man from the south. But he talked about thirsty. He said, have you ever known what it is to be thirsty? And he told this story. He said, his dad and himself, and he was just a teenager, were going to plant the gospel in a new area with a new tribe. And they had their guides who were the natives. And so they start on their journey. And, the, and for some way or somehow, their guides got confused and lost direction. And they wandered around. And then they ran out of water. And they were absolutely, this was an arid country, they, they were dying of thirst. Stephen Olford said his, his lips were cracked. His tongue was dry. He said, he said it was unbelievable, the thirst. And he said he never will forget this. Man, I love this. Whew. The power of God. Stephen Olford said his daddy knelt under an oak tree or whatever kind of tree you have over there. And he cried out to God, said, Lord, you led me to West Africa. You led me to share the gospel with all these people. He said, but I tell you, Lord, if you want me to die of thirst under this tree, then I will. But if you're not through with me, you're going to have to send some water from somewhere. Stephen Oford was there, and he said, all of a sudden, a cloud came up, and, and, and there was a, a, an outpouring of a thunderstorm right on top of him. You say, Brother Fred, does God do things like that? Well, is he God? No, Stephen Olford said, man, we, we held our hats and we filled them with water and we just drank and drank and drank. Are you thirsty today? If anyone thirsts, let him come to me, Jesus said, and drink. And remember, we're invited to Jesus. He invites us to himself. We're not invited to religion. We're not even invited to a church building. We're invited to the living Son of God, to the living Son of God. He invites us to himself. John the Baptist said, somebody said, John the Baptist baptized you with water, but Jesus will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with power. Are you thirsty enough to come to Jesus and say, Jesus, I want a drink. 
I, I, I don't want to live where I'm at any longer. I, I want to drink. I, Lord, I want, you, I want to know your presence. God, I don't want to know about you. Listen, we can know all about him. We, we can divide the scriptures. We can analyze the scriptures. And we can know all about him. About his birth and about his life. His death and resurrection. We can know all about him. But that's not enough. That is not enough. We've got not only to know about him. We've got to know him. We have to know him. Intimately and personally. He said, if you're thirsty, just come to me. Come to me and drink. Just come to me. And drink. The Word of God is used to bring you to Jesus. God works in your life to bring you to, to, to getting to know Jesus and to getting to know the Father intimately, not knowing about Him, but knowing Him. He said, You just come to me. Come to me, Jesus said, and drink. And then He said something. And this is what I'm talking about the, that endowment with power. He said, He that believes in me. Out of his heart will flow a river of living water. Do you know the power of water? What a statement. He said, out of you is going to flow a, a river of living water. Did you know that everywhere water flows, there's life? Oh, have you noticed the big, beautiful trees that grow on the edge of the river? Have you noticed all the vegetation? And wherever the river flows, there's life. There's life. The Spirit of God did not come to kill us with the letter of the law. He came to give us life. And so that river that flows out of us is a river of living water. And wherever the river flows, there's life. But let me tell you something else. Wherever a river flows, there's power. Have you, have you seen the warning? Don't, if, if there's been a storm and there's, there's flooding and the water's about that deep, and they'll say, now don't, don't try to drive your car through that water because it's, 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 it's moving fast and it's powerful. And you know that. And how many times have we seen on television, well, these people were driving through, and it didn't look like it was deep, because it wasn't deep, but it was powerful. And that powerful uh, water would absolutely sweep their car off into a ditch. Now, I hope you've never done that. Driven through, driven, driven, driven through stuff like that. But let me tell you something about water. It has un unbelievable power. Why do you think they build these big dams? Hydroelectric power. Why do you think they do that? And they back the water up, and then they open the gates, and then the water floods out, and it gives electricity to millions of people. Let me tell you something about water. It, has, it brings life, and it brings power. Isn't that amazing that Jesus said to us, out of you, just ordinary you, and ordinary me, did you know that out of you, will flow a river of living water. And wherever you go, when the Spirit of God is flowing out of you, there'll be life, there'll be power, there'll be no explanation for what happens in your life and around you but God Himself. A river of living water. Life and power. Let, let me say this. 
the spiritual power and life that comes to us when we are open to and let Jesus be the Lord of our life. We crown him Lord and and we ask God to fill us with the Holy Spirit. And, and the Holy Spirit does fill us. And, and He's flowing out of us like a river of living water. Let me tell you about the power of the Holy Spirit, though. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Now listen to me. The power of the Holy Spirit to live a holy life. To live a holy. H-O-L-Y. To live a holy life. You know, I don't hear much preaching about being holy, being separated from the world, not acting like, talking like, living like the world. You're separated. You live a holy life. Your life is a cut above the world around you. The Bible says, as he who has called you is holy, you be holy in every manner of your life. The Bible says, as much as you can, live in peace with all men and walk in holiness as without which no man will see the Lord. You say, Brother Fred, I, don't want, I wonder why I don't have any power. Are you living a holy life? The Holy Spirit gives you the power to live a holy life. It's holiness. The Bible says God is holy, holy, holy. And he calls every one of us to not live like the world, act like the world, talk like the world. But he calls every one of us to live a holy life. I am not going to let the world tell me how to live, dress, and act. I'm going to let the Holy Spirit of God tell me how to live, act, and walk. They watch it on television, and before you know it, there's all kind of crazy stuff going on. Because they said on TV, that's a good thing to do. They don't have a clue. God's children are to be different. They will be different. God's children are to be holy separated unto God and there will be holiness in our life that rises above the things of this world you know people want a religion that says just live any way you want to live and every now and then go to church and tip your hat to God well that's not the that's not the message of the Bible I have God calls you to holiness Leonard Ravenhill said many great things. But man, the greatest, what he said was, you've heard it. He said, I've seen every miracle in the Bible, except with my own eyes, except the raising of the dead. And when Leonard said that, I believe him. He's seen every miracle in the New Testament, except raising. He said, but let me tell you the greatest miracle. I said, tell me, Leonard, what is it? He says that when God reaches down, in an unholy world and calls out an unholy man or woman and by the victory of the cross and the power of God he calls out that unholy man or woman and he changes their life and he makes them holy and then he puts them back in the world and keeps them holy he said that's the greatest miracle that I've ever seen and that's the testimony of a child of God you know, God's touched me and cha- saved me, and, and he changed me. He, he took me out. I'm a called-out one, and he saved me and changed me, and he's put me back in the world, and he's keeping me holy. This endowment with power, this river of living water, not only brings life and power wherever it goes, but it is the power to live a, a holy life. Listen at this verse. Walk in the Spirit, 
and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. Well, that's easy to understand. If you're fulfilling the desires of the flesh, you're not walking in the Spirit. Walk in the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the desires of the flesh. For the flesh fights against the Spirit, capital S, and the Spirit fights against the flesh. Galatians 5.22 says, And the fruit of the Spirit is love, and joy, and peace, and gentleness, and goodness, and kindness, and long-suffering, and patience. And that sounds like a Christian to me. You see, it's the power to live a holy life. Romans 8, 2 says, The law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. That the righteousness of the law might be fulfilled in us who do not walk in the flesh, but walk in the Spirit. Power to live a holy life? That's that river. But power to be light and salt. You know, I, I'm telling you, you think, well, why, why did God put me where I am? I mean, this job, I, I'm not really happy with it. Or, or, or you know, I mean, I, I, my circumstances. I mean, why? Let, let me tell you something. Now, you can get in the flesh and go your own way and, and say, well, that's where God put me. Well, he didn't put you there. He allowed you to go there. But I'm just saying to you, you say, well, Brother Fred, I believe I'm in the will of God. I believe that. As far as I know, I'm in the will of God. Then you know why he's got you where you are? So that there'll be light penetrating the darkness. And so there'll be salt stopping the moral decay. To the Christian, he said, you're the light of the world. You're the salt of the earth. And just remember, it doesn't matter what you're doing to make a living. What matters is that you realize that you're there because you're living in the power of Jesus and you're living for the glory of God. It doesn't matter what title is on your desk or on the door, that God puts you there. And the greater mission is that you're light. And it points people from the darkness to Jesus, who is the light of the world, and that you're salt, your very presence. You know, I I'm telling you, Christians make lost people uncomfortable, a real Christian. Makes God's people uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, they're not comfortable with you. Because, you know, you're messing up their darkness. Huh. I mean, you're reminding them of morality. Oh, no. Don't, don't think you're going to be elected most popular if you're living for, for Jesus in your office or in your classroom. Oh, no, no. But praise God, I'm not interested, and you aren't interested in the acclaim or applause of men. All we want is the applause of God that we've been sought and we've been, but you won't be unless you've got that river. You'll be endued with power from on high. The promise of the Father. Jesus said, if you're thirsty, if you're thirsty, come to me and drink. That mountain in your life, you know a river can sweep it away. Those obstacles in your life. Hey, the power of that river of the Spirit of God can absolutely level them. But you've got to be depending on the Holy Spirit and not yourself.